Welcome everyone to the C-Suite Marketing Perspectives Podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we're going to talk about the startup world in a way that we probably haven't had that conversation before. We've got the CMO of Query, Matt Anthony, on. And Matt, you're going to talk about being inside of a number of startups. In fact, you've been with eight different startups that were all focused on high growth. You've advised with at least five more. So needless to say, you've you've probably got the scars. You've got the high fives. You've got all the, maybe the gray hairs. Maybe Did those come? Yeah, maybe. All right. Yes. Well, what we want to do is we want to talk about that experience. We want to talk about your your strategies, your thoughts on how you develop high performance teams for these high focus startups, right? And there's there's a, a mentality and a, and a strategy that you have on that. But maybe just to start us off, tell us a little bit more about you and, and what you're doing at Query, and then we'll get started. Sure. Uh, so uh, Query is a company that uh, is focused on cybersecurity. And um, we have a pretty unique uh, uh, technology that allows you to sort of see the data everywhere in your environment in a way that really hasn't been possible. 20 years ago, a security professional would have told you that's what we want, but it's only now that we've actually achieved it. And it's kind of groundbreaking stuff, which is great fun, you know, working in a startup. And it follows a trend of being in cybersecurity companies throughout my career. Um, so I really got into the startup world. Well, I was fortunate enough to start my career at Dell Computer uh, back in a day when they were not as big of a household name. Just dumb luck, but it was fantastic starting experience. Introduced me to technology, helped me understand that I had a, a talent for explaining technology, um, and you know, really kind of launched me. And then I stumbled into a startup experience uh, here in Atlanta. And from there, just was able to move from one to the next. Around 2000, I joined a company called CypherTrust in the cybersecurity space. And I've pretty much been in cybersecurity since then, which is a really interesting and, and uh, unique space. And the cool thing about Query is I'm working with people that I've met along my career um, and that we've all kind of come up together owning different functions. And now we're all working together to take this one to market. Well, that's a perfect segue, right? Because one of the big things that we want to talk about is the success of a company. Like when, from the perspective of an investor, you're going after your first round, your second round, right? One of the things that they're investing in, yeah, absolutely the idea, they're investing in the team. And so the team has a huge amount in terms of impact on the success of these high growth startups. Just explain to me just a, a little bit for us the, the process, the, the thinking on enabling the teams that you manage and you work with inside of these, these startup companies. Oh, yeah. So um, so you're absolutely right, which is it, it is completely critical, right, that, um, that you've got the right team in place. Um, there's not a perfect team uh, because one of the things I've found is a, a real important uh ability inside a startup is to be flexible and to identify that that person has a certain strength. And so therefore, I'm going to flex either away from that, or we're going to double down on that and use all those strengths uh, and have people who can, you know, play different positions, as it were, um, depending on, on the need. Um, so, you know, I think, um, you know, finding people to be in, in that environment can be tough. Uh, like I said, I'm in an environment now where from the leadership team perspective, we've all worked together before, 
right? And so we know the track record, we know the tendencies, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, essentially our CEO was able to kind of pick various people that he's worked with over time. Um, but then each of those people has to work, has to build out a team. And um, yeah, finding people to be successful in that environment can be challenging. So you told me a story when we uh, first started talking about recording this episode. And the story was about, you know, you were writing the brand positioning for the company and you ended up doing that collaboratively with your team. Can you tell me a little bit, because when we're talking about enabling teams, we're talking about enabling them to do phenomenal things and take ownership on, you know, their tasks and what they're doing. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened there and 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 how you transitioned from you kind of writing and giving it to the team to the way that you actually did it and how you did it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and it is a good story because, you know, it's a big screw up on my part and, and turned out well. So, you know, those are always the, the good stories. Um, and, you know, what what it really comes down to is like a lot of companies like this, the one I'm in is a combination of people who are already at the company and then people who've come in and so on. So, again, you're kind of balancing strengths and so on. Um, and one of the great things about our leadership team, all knowing each other, is the communication is very strong uh, and flows really easily. Um, but what wasn't necessarily happening, and my team let me know this, was that that communication wasn't extending to them as well as it could. And so my team challenged me and said, hey, we were talking about this thing. Of course, it happened while I was out on vacation for a week, right? So I'm at the beach and the team gets together and they're like, well, we've got this decision to make, but we don't really know what the strategy is. <clears throat> so I scratched my head. I was like, of course we know what the strategy is. I know, I instantly know the answer to that question. But then it occurred to me, it's like, well, but the team didn't. And so um, the team kind of challenged me to say, hey, let's have the strategy. And I thought, that's great. That's easy. I can write that down in no time because it's all in my head. Um, but as I started to do that, I realized, well, if, if building the strategy is really a, asking a series of questions, then why don't I challenge it at every level by inviting the whole team in? And, um, and so we all sat down and we made the time and everybody was eager to make the time. And we walked through, you know, kind of a classic outline for building the strategy. We asked, what are the team's goals? You know, what, what's the company? What are the company's goals? And, um, you know, in a startup, they need to be pretty specific for a pretty narrow piece of time because three months is a long time in a startup. And if you haven't achieved a goal by the end of the three months, then whatever goal you envision for the next three months is going to be wildly different. So understanding right now, what do we need to do? And then aligning on that and then looking at, okay, based on our experience, what's going to be the best way to do that? And defining those things, figuring out where the right amount is you can do, because there's only so much that can be done with a small team, only so many hours in the day. Um, and you need to be very judicious and then saying no to things. Because one of the things that happens, and it happens for marketing, but it happens for everyone in a startup, is there's lots of advice out there. Whether you're reading on LinkedIn or it's a board member or so on, or, or so on, um, you get a lot of advice. And some of it is really good, honest advice, but it's off by six months or it's off by a year. And that's a huge difference maker, right? It doesn't do you any good at that point. It'll be really valuable then. And so being able to make those decisions and line that up, that was a great experience of my team kind of challenging me on that and us able to get back to alignment. 
And what did that do for them in terms of, it's one thing to have a strategy handed to you. Another thing to actually have ownership in the development of that strategy. And then the amount of time and effort you're willing to actually execute on that strategy, right? There's a, there's a big difference there. How did that impact the team that they actually were a part of that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's really about freeing people up to be able to go and do work, right? So, I mean, one of the things that's a real soft skill that's hard to interview for, but is absolutely critical in a startup is, is it the kind of person who listens for a few minutes and then says, great, let me go try that. Or is it someone who needs a plan all written out for them? Now, you might have a mix, but you can't have too many of that second kind because nobody gets to just be a manager and a startup company, right? Where at most you're a player coach and everybody's got jobs to do. And so you need everybody to be able to be productive. And that means everybody kind of knows what to shoot for and then has more confidence in the decisions they're making. They can be more you know, autonomous. They can be more entrepreneurial. So we're not just entrepreneurial as an entity. We're individually entrepreneurial in a startup as well. So... That brings up another another idea here, and it's like, you know, inside of a startup, there's the the game plan isn't always set yet, right? And like you said, that the here's what you do now, go do it, right? You have to be entrepreneurial, right? Everybody on the team, because the team is small, so you've got to be able to take things and run with it. But that can mean though that people are running in different directions, and they're you got to manage the chaos, right? Tell me your thoughts on what is that chaos in a startup environment? You've been there many, many times. And how do you manage it? So it's all about communication. Communication is so key inside a startup company. And uh, but ironically, it's very informal. Right. So how do we make sure that we're constantly checking in on everyone, on each other and knowing that something changed? And it can be hard because you'll be sitting in a meeting and you'll hear somebody say something and you'll be like, hey, wait a minute. Does that have that implication? And then they'll go, oh, yeah, I guess it does. Right. So um, you, you've got to be paying attention and then you've got to communicate that onto the team. So, you know, something like Slack, you know, a lot of people bemoan Slack. But the fact is that. You know, yeah. you can use that to kind of get an idea out to the team. Hey, team, just heard this from a prospect. And so let's work on a blog post for next week around this issue, right? So it's like taking those kind of ideas, making those bets, um, and then also being judicious about the level of effort that you're asking for. So it's not stop everything else you're doing and do nothing else but focus on this one thing we just heard, right? It's let's make a 10% bet. 10% of your time now is going to go towards, you know, this effort and we're going to test it out and, and see how it work. Or just throwing it out there and going, I heard this and it made me think that maybe we could do this on the sales side and having the sales guy come back and go, I love that. I can go crazy with that or meh, I don't think that's going to work for me, right? And then the web team, right? So yeah, we could do a blog page on that. Or actually, you know, that feels like something where we need a formal kind of product explanation of how we do that, right? So making the right choice. Social, you know, more and more, um, you know, offline, you and I were talking about uh, how much more challenging it is in a, in a B2B environment these days, because so many buyers want to essentially make the whole the whole process digital before they engage with a salesperson, um, we're finding LinkedIn to be not only more important, but it's now a destination. So it used to be that you put things on LinkedIn so that then people would click out and go uh, onto your website. 
And nowadays you look for content where they're going to sit there and they're going to stay on LinkedIn and you keep them engaged there. So I, I answered a lot of questions there, I don't, but I don't know if I actually answered your question. So. Well, you know, in a startup, the idea there was like about managing chaos, right? Yeah. And there are two things that can really happen. One is in a startup, you're small, you're a lean team. So there's so much to do, right? Yep. On the other hand, it can be, and we talked about this too, it could be like, okay, hang on a second. Maybe there's not a lot for me to do right now, right? Because we're working hard in product development. We're not rolling things out yet. We're waiting for this to happen. I'm certainly getting ready for it. So there's those are the two ends of the spectrum. But yeah, I think terms... that's, that's about the importance of saying no, Steve. It's, it's yeah. like so important in a startup that you look and say, okay, so we've got our strategy. We're keeping in communication. Then that tells us what to go work on. And we're going to stick to that. Now, that entrepreneurial autonomous piece for the folks is I've got the strategy and now I'm running with it, you know, but we still have to keep in touch in case that changes. But um, it also means not going to work on something else. So, uh, you know, I think we see a lot of outside influences. Everybody wants to talk about marketing, write about marketing, give marketing advice. This really happens to all the other people on the leadership team too. But, you know, I, I feel it for marketing. Um, and the fact is, you got to be able to say that just doesn't work for our strategy right now, right? That might make sense six months from now, but we haven't got product market fit yet. So we can't, you know, um, scale up that activity or no, it won't help to hire more BDRs right now. We've got to, we've got some things we have to do first. And so saying no to things, or at least saying not yet to things can be pretty important because you just don't have enough time to work on things that aren't critical. Uh, you know, when you look at a period of time, you're going to have a few things you accomplish. If you accomplish the right things, then you're going to be golden. But if you spend time on things that, that aren't helpful, uh, it won't help. And I think you alluded to this a moment ago. Um, one of the traps is it's actually not busy right there, that busy right now because I'm waiting for the product team to do this or, or you know, the sales team to do that. Um, and so you start to find things to do to fill that time because we're in startups because we like to keep busy. We like to be working. We like to be pushing the boat forward. Um, but then in two weeks when that thing pops and now you're oversubscribed completely trying to take on that task, then you got to be careful. You didn't create a debt for yourself of other things that are less critical um, to manage. Yeah. And that's true. Like, you know, all aspects of business, right? We have to prioritize. We have to be good at saying no. Um, but I want I know you've got some good stories, you know, across all those different startups and everything. What, you know, if you were going to kind of embody in a, in a story of one of the startups that you were at, what we're talking about here, you know, taking ownership, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit, managing that chaos. Is there a, is there a story that you have in mind that you'd maybe want to share with us? you know, where that actually ended up working out really well? So th this might fit, right? But um, at one of the companies I joined and I was very early, I was the first marketer. Um, and uh, when I came in, they said, okay, so here's some marketing kind of things that have happened. And, you know, literally like imagine a digital pile of junk on a desk and they go, so sort through that and see if there's anything there that you need to pay attention to. And one of them was a call from a Gartner analyst. Um, and uh, in this case, I returned the call 
um, and ended up having a relationship very early, much earlier than you would expect to have that kind of conversation um, with, uh, with a firm like Gartner. Um, but what it opened up was the fact that we were starting very, very high in the market. We were talking to very large financial institutions um, and probably a little earlier than you would expect a startup to. But when you start talking to those large financial institutions, then they're going to call the analysts and say, what do you know about these guys? That actually led to a situation in which the analyst essentially coined the term that we started calling the whole category, oh. led to... Oh. Me coming in going, I know that's a worthwhile thing to do. I'm going to make a bet on my time and spend that time and see if it pays off. Um, and I didn't need to check in with anyone or anything. You know, at some point I told my CEO, I said, okay, we've got a call scheduled for later this week with this person. And this is what you need to do to be ready for it. He hit a home run, of course. Um, and, and, you know, it went on from there. But it's that combination of having people where you're like, okay, you know, you're kind of an expert, you know how to figure this out, go do that. And then also the trust that says, but I'm also trusting that you're not doing a bunch of things like that that aren't going to pay off. So it's kind of like run with what you think is right to do. You may every once in a while have to beg forgiveness because you've you've gone down, you know, a certain direction, but you have to rely in a startup is what I'm hearing. You have to rely in a startup more on their intuition of what the right things are to do with the strategy that you've set. Would that be a good way to articulate yes. that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we get back to the communication piece, I think a lot of my one-on-ones with, you know, the CEO, the boss is literally running down a list going, I'm doing something around this. I'm doing something around this. I'm doing something around this. And, you know, on the third one, he goes, oh, wait, I know, you know, something about that, or we have a history or something, right? And they'll jump in and give you a little bit of information. It's all about enablement, right? So one, you've just let them know. So they're not completely surprised if, if somehow it comes back to them some other way. And then they're also sharing whatever information they have to input. But it's very much focused on, you know, what do you need to know to keep doing your job? What do you need to know to keep doing your job? Okay, break. Go our separate ways and do our thing. So obviously enabling the team, part of that is assembling the team, right? And, yep. and you mentioned earlier, you're working right now at Query with people that you've worked with in the past. And so there's there's a portion of the team when you're lean and mean in a startup that you know they have to be people that are producing, right? They have to be people that are going to move the mountain forward. And so that past experience is significant in terms of, you know, that you've had with others on building this team. But a team can't be 100% just people that you've worked with, right? You've got to be able to hire people for the team. Yeah. What is your thinking, your mentality on if I'm hiring you know, I'm asking questions, I'm interviewing. What do you look for in somebody that's going to come into that kind of environment and need to perform in all the ways that you've been talking about here? Well, maybe like in 10 years, you can call me and I'll figure it out by then. But it's it's challenging. <laughs> um, you know, the one thing, and this has gone down a little bit because people have seen both the good and bad of startups, I think, whereas in the old days, startups just felt like, you know, you struck gold. So we had the Charlie Brown's teacher problem, right? All they heard was womp, womp, womp. And they were just thinking stock options, stock options, stock right, options. Right. Um, I think that's uh, a lesser degree, but I still think that people are attracted to sort of the sexiness of the startup. Um, and 
really need to be looking at it more as a fit thing, right? So, you know, is that really the kind of environment I'm in? So we tend to ask questions like, how comfortable are you with ambiguity in the workplace, right? So would you be willing to make a product decision when you don't have all the information? You're just going to have to follow your gut and then go build requirements and that sort of thing. You know, are you going to, um, what does it mean to you to have no support, no net to catch you if you fall off the rope, you know, compare that to the environment you've been in and how much of an infrastructure and support system you had and your ability to act without that. Because you see people in startups who are perfectly comfortable, you know, like you'll see, uh, I think uh, Andreessen Horowitz calls them pioneer sales reps, right? But the pioneer sales rep is the one who comes in and just goes and starts talking to customers. And then they come back and they ask you all these questions and then they go back and do it again. But they're not the one who's sitting there going, I just need a certain deck or a certain demo or something that will allow me to do that. You know, and I mean, we've had conversations you know, with, with roles that um, where you have multiple people in the role, like a sales engineer or a sales rep, where we literally said that person would be a great third sales rep, but they're not the first sales rep, right? Um, because that's slightly different, um, uh, different experiences there. Um, and, you know, it's hard because people will say, oh, you know, oh, can you work hard? Everyone thinks they can work hard, right? And it's not really about working hard. I think you're seeing more dialogue about that these days where it's like not every company um, I was reading I can't remember which one I was reading about the other day where, you know, they say we're off at six, you know, in the evening, that sort of thing. And we get off our phone, but it is about being comfortable working in that amb ambiguous environment. And there is a bit of an almost on, right? So, I mean, you know, you think about things all night and day, you're very, you're very invested. Um, it, it, it's funny. So some people make a lot of family analogies like, Hey, you know, we're family. I don't like the family analogy. I think it can actually kind of repulse people when they're like, actually, my family are the people I'm not spending time with because mm -hmm. I'm spending so much time on this startup. But I do think roommates is probably a pretty good analogy, right? So think about kind of that college roommate situation. You're in tight quarters together. The actions of one have a big impact on everybody, good or bad. Um, and, uh, you know, that it it's, it's pretty, you have to be, working together and communicating for it to work really well. Um, and so, you know, being ready for that kind of environment because people, you talk about being entrepreneurial and autonomous, but also it's like, but you have to be thinking about everything you do and whether it's going to impact that person or that person or that person, and then communicate with them right away. Make sure they're in the loop, no surprises. So, uh, you know, that that can be challenging. You know, it, but I'm sure you're looking for somebody that, that that is a, that's motivating for them, right? You know, there's a lot of us that don't want to be in, you know, a big, big company, lots of different departments. You know, I talked to a CMO the other day that had 60 people in her marketing department. What that means is people get very, very specialized, right? And they 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 contribute this, where in a startup, you need somebody that wants to not be in this big corporate structure, right? And all the politics that come with that. It's like, no, you're going to have to be a self-starter. And there's a lot of us that are going to be saying, that's what I want, right? Yeah. You know, and that's what helps motivate me. Now, you you brought up in that last uh, bit there, you, 
you brought up the idea of the the traditional the startups, right? And the stock options, and we're going to make it rich and everything. How does that play into the mindset today? How do you talk to that in terms of the package that you're putting together for the teams? Uh, so it's a little easier because now everybody's heard about horrible failures and that sort of thing. It's a little easier to be real honest with people and say, it's always a risk, right? We could do everything right. And one of the things about being in a startup is you can do everything right and still fail because there are externalities that, you know, you just didn't have any control over. Um, and so I think you can be more honest about that. Whereas in the old days, it's like, if I said that, it felt like I was casting doubt on my own startup. Whereas now, I think people understand a little bit more that what you're saying is this is the deal with startups, no matter how good or bad they are. Um, and so I think it's it's able to be a little more honest, which is great because you really want fit. You, you, you're perfectly happy to scare someone away in the interview process because it's really not for them. And it can even be really not for them right now, right? It could be, well, I got a two-year-old and a five-year-old at home. Maybe I'll wait three years and then think about, you know, joining a startup or that sort of thing. Great, perfect, right? Um, so I do think that that, um, that is a big part of it. I think the other thing to something you just said is, um, I think people who do well in a startup environment they really want to feel like all the work they're doing, you know, is is making an impact on the company, like it counts. Um, I had a situation in which the company I was at, uh, a startup company, was acquired by a huge company, and it was really exciting, and there was money made and all that sort of thing. But I could instantly tell the difference in my own internal motivation based on the fact that I knew no matter how spectacular a job, not only, not only I did but the entire business unit that was now part of this huge company, that it was not going to move the stock price one iota. <laughs> and I was immediately viscerally aware of that. Right. And, and it makes a difference, right? Um, so, you know, that, that can be a thing too, is kind of figuring that out. Uh, it's interesting because the whole money thing, I actually don't think like being, being rich is a particularly good motivator in these kind of environments. I think it's more about, you know, the money you make in a startup, um, a, a serial entrepreneur here in Atlanta called Paul Judge, who I've worked with a few times, and he and I were talking about this one time, and he was like, it's really like the points, like you, those are the points you made, right? And that's what's on the scoreboard for you is how many points you made from that startup and this startup and that startup. So that's, it, it feels more like that um, in terms of motivation than, you know, the, the old get rich scheme. So I think that's a little less prevalent as well. Yeah, I like I like the points analogy, right? You know, because you're you're kind of building your career and the points and and being involved in in early stage startups is meaningful to anybody in the B two B industry, right? Because they want to know people can come in, they can be self starters, and they can work with, and you know, you know, ambiguity. Those aren't things that are lost in big companies as well, right? Yeah. So if if there was something, Matt, that as a takeaway here, building teams inside of a startup organization, you've done that so many times that you just wanted to leave us with one important thought, a takeaway for today, what would that be? I can only speak for myself personally. I think the most important lesson, and you heard it a little bit in that story about the strategy is you've gotta be able to be really honest, honest with yourself, 
honest with your team. You know, we hear the word authentic thrown around a lot, especially by marketers, shame on us. But, you know, authentic really means being honest and open. And that means letting people know when you're nervous or you don't really have the answer um, and being really honest about things like, you know, a worker who might be like, I'm going to do a ton of work for you, but some of it's going to be at two o'clock in the morning. And sometimes in the middle of the day, I'm going to be at the park with my kid. And if that's what works for them. Man, that's great. And we've got that honesty between us. We know that now I can even be, you know, playing defense for that person if they're not available at a certain time, all those kind of things. So that kind of trust and honesty, but it all starts with kind of being, you know, being honest with yourself. So, you know, when I was younger in my career, there were probably times when I would have kind of fronted like I knew something when I didn't really know it. And I have really tried to work on the discipline of saying, I don't understand that. It might be because I'm dumb. It might be because it wasn't really well explained, but I need to know it if I'm going to do the thing you want me to do. So here it is. Uh, so I, that would probably be the thing. You know, if I have a mantra, uh, wake up every day and remind myself to live by it. That's it. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for everything, all the insights here. Because um, there's, a, there's a lot of people in the community here that are in this exact same situation, right? Startup is actually a very big ter term. <laughs> the startup applies to a very, very large percentage of the B2B company population out there. If, if Matt, if somebody wanted to ask you a question to follow up or anything, would giving your link out to uh, your profile on LinkedIn, would that be a good idea? Yeah, absolutely. Well, fantastic. Well, then let me just formally say thank you for coming on and sharing all of these insights. Well, thank you, Steve. I've enjoyed our conversations.